It's been cool watching online and hearing the stories about what God is doing. You've been enjoying this spiritual gift series? That's been powerful. And I know some of you are being like, I know because I've been feeling it. Like God has been doing something new and refreshing and something different in my heart and in my life. Um, and one time when I was watching online, there was a word given and it said, get your hopes up. I was going to preach something totally different this week. Thanks. That was you, wasn't it, Kristen? You had that word. Thanks a lot for that. But I like it when God says, no, 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 let's do this. So in talking with Pastor Tim, and I was like, he said, this, I think this is where we need to go. So we'll save the other sermon for another time, right? There'll be a time and a place for that. But for today, we're going to talk about getting your hopes up. Now, when you hear that statement, it's sometimes not really in a most positive connotation, right? Where if you think something's going to happen in your life, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this. Uh, don't get your hopes up. There's normally some negative Nelly that's just sitting there waiting to burn and crush your dreams, and then, you know, you want to lay hands on them. <laughs> Maybe not in the most Christian way, but you can ask for forgiveness later. It's all good. It's all under the blood. It's okay. But it's, but what is wrong with getting our hopes up? Actually, all throughout Scripture, we're told to get our hopes up. Because our hope is in something bigger and better and more powerful than we are. Because if we're it, we're in trouble. Right? We're, we're in trouble. And we as humans, we like to make plans. Right? We like to make plans. We, like, we plan for our retirement. We plan for vacations. We do graduation. We do birthdays, celebrations, all these things. And we plan well and we mean well, but and normally our plans work out okay. Anybody ever have plans not work out okay sometimes? Okay, if your hands aren't up, you're lying. Because <laughs> come on, let's be real. If we're breathing, plans don't always happen the way we think they should. But this is what I love being part of a church family like Life Church because I love planning for the future of what God has for this family. I love being part of that team and I love being part of this family where we come in expecting and we kind of catch the vision of what God is doing. And that's what's been so encouraging watching even online, seeing what God is doing through these spiritual gifts because I believe things are being woken up in people's hearts and in their lives. That maybe you're like, ah, I've never thought about that. And then now you're thinking about it. Because God has stirred something up. He's kind of set that spark into, into motion. See, it's exciting when we make plans. But we got to move forward with them, right? Now, somewhere in this building, I think there's a room or there's a place where we have the blueprints for this very building that are laid somewhere on campus. We have the very blue pins. So we could look back and say, oh, what was that? Or was this by accident? Or is this on purpose? Was this, you know, where does this water line go? Or where does this go? We have all those things. Now, if you have the blueprints for something, but yet you don't take the time to start building, what good's a blueprint? You got a piece of paper with a cool drawing that you paid a lot of money for. But unless you start building 
and putting that blueprint and you start building on the foundation of what's there, it's just a paper. It doesn't get us very far until we start planning. And it's a great feeling when a plan does come together because we work hard, we think about it, we pray, we prepare, we do all these things. And when you see something that happens that comes to fruition, you're like, yes, that was awesome. Sometimes our best plans don't work out the way that we think they should, though. We can plan, prepare, envision, think of everything that could go wrong and plan accordingly and still see things derail. What happens then? We feel frustrated, disappointment, angry, confused. Can I let you in on a little secret? Don't tell anybody. Everything that we have planned and worked on here at Life Church has not always gone the way that we thought, that we thought it would. I know, I know that may come as a shock, but not everything works out the way we think it should. Like when you plan for an event and nobody shows up. That's always a great experience. And you're like, did we miss it? Did we get something wrong? And guess what we do with that? That's it, we're never doing anything again. Never. People don't deserve it. No. We're just not going to do that again. You learn, right? You learn from our what doesn't work and what does. Because it's deflating when you plan and something doesn't work out. It's hard on you. And what happens, you get depressed for a second and maybe upset and you're hurt. But guess what? Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. You're going to wake up tomorrow. And it is a brand new day because God's mercies are new every morning. And there is a new thing that he's going to do the next day. So we don't wallow in what was. Embrace what, what we are hoping for. So when we get our hopes up, if something doesn't work, cool. I'm going to learn from that and not do that ever again. Or I'll just do it differently. But there's a way to do things, but... And a lot of times we like to do things and leave God out of the equation. Anybody ever do that? <laughs> I'm not putting up my hand for that one. <laughs> I'll be there. It's so amazing because sometimes when you get in the situation, you see what happens in your life. And I'll get, I'll react in my flesh where it's just like, you get upset, and you get, oh, man, why? Blah, 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 blah. And yet, the first thing that I should automatically do is take a moment and pray. But, but Jesus, I need to be in my feelings for a bit. Okay? Just let me have a, just let me have a week. Oh, come on. <laughs> Y'all been on social media. Okay, pumpkin, you need to get over that. Okay, let it go. And not the frozen let it go. Seriously, just let it go. Just go. It's one thing to see a plan fail at work or even here at church or in your life or in a, an event, whatever. It's one thing to see that. But 
when plans in your life don't work out, it's okay. Because our hope is bigger. And where we put our hope and our refuge and what we anchor in is so much bigger than the thing. And so when we, keep, when we get our hopes up, it's life-giving. Not only to you, but to everybody around you. Because if people see you as someone who is hopeful, they will come and see you and get full of hope because of you. So don't, don't, play, don't downplay the things that you've gone through that have been negative, but look at those as an opportunity to bless those around you. Because chances are somebody you talk to has gone through what you're going through, and you'll be able to speak life into that and inject hope into the situation. Like, just like what Marcus was saying about the gentleman on the bridge. Some of us would drive by and say, what's that idiot doing? He's going to make me late to Costco. I'm just being real. But if we actually take a moment and we see things through God's lenses instead of our flawed, broken eyes, we see a whole different perspective. We see that we live in a world that needs to get their hopes up. They need to. Guess what? You're all hired. Welcome aboard. Show somebody some hope. Right? Who's down? Who's in? All right. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at a dude named Jeremiah. And we're going to look at the Israelites. And they found themselves in an unexpected and a disappointing situation. So let's give you a little bit of background. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was known as, what a title, right? Who are you? I'm the baby. What? <laughs> I'm God's baby. Thank you. And here's the thing. He didn't want to be a prophet. But God called him and he answered the call. See, most of the messages that God gave Jeremiah were messages of judgment and punishment. How am I going to be like really excited to always deliver those messages? Hey guys, it's me again. Um, you might want to sit down. <laughs> All right, here it goes. You're sure about this? I'm, like, I'm God, yes. It must have gotten old, <laughs> you know? He wasn't very popular, but he was obedient. To make it worse, there was others, his competition, that were telling the people that God was going to deliver them from their enemies very soon and they would prosper and rule. And Jeremiah's like, what are you guys doing? I don't know who you're listening to, but I'm getting downloaded a completely different email. I'm getting something totally different. So in chapter 26, the Lord instructed Jeremiah to stand in the courtyard and the temple of Jerusalem. Be ready to be encouraged. Here we go. This is full of hope. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. If you will not listen to me and obey my word I have given you, and if you will not listen to my servants, the prophets, for I sent them again and again to warn you, but you should not listen to them, then I will destroy this temple as I destroyed Shiloh, the place where the tabernacle was located. And I will make Jerusalem an object of cursing in every nation on earth. Have a nice day. 
Imagine being the guy that has to deliver these messages all the time. Finally, these guys had enough. They said, oh, he's got to go. He's wrecking our mojo. He's killing our vibe, man. See, a lot of people are more worried about their vibe than they are for the truth. Vibe is just a thing. But truth is truth. Truth doesn't change regardless of your opinion. Truth, absolute truth is true absolutely. That's why it's called absolute truth. They were geniuses, whoever came up with that one. So all these guys said that you have to die. How dare you say these things in the name of the Lord? You're a false prophet. And they would have killed him right then and there, but then other people spoke up. Other officials and other crowd people said, you can't kill this man. He speaks in the name of the Lord. Jeremiah survived to prophesy another day, and he did a lot. He prophesied a lot. Now, if you don't understand, prophecy or prophesying is literally just saying what God is saying. You're a vessel of saying what God wants to say. Do we have prophetic things that are declared in God's word? Absolutely. Chocked full. But he also uses people today to give a prophetic word, to speak prophecy. What is God saying? When God changes a sermon, I'm thinking God has something that he wants to say this morning. So I pray that I'm able to deliver that effectively. He'd been telling people for decades that one day they would be overtaken by Babylon and taken into captivity. Yippee, skippy. I can't wait for that to happen. That's going to be a great day. Captivity, you say? Hmm. This is going to be great. Can you imagine? This is your word of encouragement for the day. Oh, by the way, you're going to love this. Holy moly. Here's what it says. In, this is just what he wrote to them. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, don't dwindle away. So he's like, wait, so we're staying? That makes it sound kind of permanent. Where's the hope in that, right? So he's telling them to accept the situation and to stop listening to the false prophets. And they were in a very trying, trying season. So how are they going to react to this? So this morning we're going to look at three ways and three things how they reacted and what can we learn from them. The first one is get your hopes up when it's hard. Oh, it's easy to do when everything's all hunky-dory and rainbows and unicorns. I wish there was unicorns. I'd make that phrase so much more better. Anybody ever been through a hard season? Okay, so if your hand's not up, you know. But who brings the trying seasons? Sometimes. Yeah, a lot of times it's like self-inflicted. No, it's all the bad people. It's the government and Andrew. Because <laughs> His wife pointed at him, and I'm like, 
We'll set up some counseling for them afterwards, Marcus. Guess we have to have a talk. In this situation, the king of Babylon did it to the Israelites. Right? He carried them into exile. It was cruel, violent, and destructive, and people died in the process. Families were torn apart, and so much more. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was their oppressor. One day God would send judgment upon him, but not now. Why? Because of verse 29, Jeremiah 29, 7, it says, And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you in exile. Pray for the Lord, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. I have carried you into exile. Oh, so it's God's fault. In this case, uh huh. But God always brings us to that point for a purpose and a reason. There is always something that we will learn from that, and God wants to stir up within us and bring out of us so we could be more fruitful and effective to how we relate to other people. Right? So everything that we face is for a purpose. If we just think of it as, ah, this is dumb. Been there. Like, why is this happening? Hold on. Why did this happen? Why did my need decided to break? That's this one right here. Because God gave Marcus a word. I mean, I was preaching on February 6th. And this is like, I remember the day because, dang. And I was preaching that morning, and Marcus came up, and he was praying for me, and he says, God wants to bring you into a season of rest. I'm like, yes, Lord, bring it. I receive. Because in my brain, I'm thinking a nice chair on the beach with my feet up, maybe a little drink with an umbrella. Not an alcoholic. And, uh, and I get to chill. No, instead I'm running a volleyball or part of a volleyball practice at a high school the next Tuesday and I tear my patella tendon and tear both meniscuses. <laughs> so my kneecap was here. It was fantastic. So that night I texted Marcus and I said, question, when God gave you that word about a season of rest, did he give you a picture? Because laying on my couch with my leg elevated, wrapped in a brace with an ice machine on it, staring at my wall, wasn't what I pictured for a season of rest. It just wasn't. You know, I wish I had a debilitating injury. That would make me rest. Nobody wishes that. <laughs> But through that, I learned so much. Because guess what? I sat there on my couch. My wife, my amazing wife, who is a rock star, she took, care of, she took that whole next week of work and made sure that I was okay. And then the following week, everybody left for school and work, and it's me and the dogs. 
And I have to be really to be committed to the idea of a drink or food or the bathroom. Because this is going to be interesting. I had my walker. It was fantastic. It's okay. My wife bought me a tray to put on the walker so I could go get stuff. I'm like, you're so thoughtful, I think. <laughs> Either that or she was mocking me. I'm not quite sure which one it was yet. A little bit of both, yeah. But coming through that, just because I went through something that I didn't think was the way I was going to get rest, God raised up hope in a completely different way in me. Because guess what I had when I was sitting on my couch? It was me and Jesus hanging out. So I dug into my word. I prayed. And it was focusing my, instead of sitting there, I'm like, this is so dumb, I can't, like, I've been playing volleyball my whole life. And I, it was the jump that didn't even happen. I stopped to plant to jump, and that's when it popped, and I went timber. <laughs> it wasn't even a cool story. Yeah, but I jumped up, knee dislocated, still got the point. No, it wasn't even cool. It's just like, what happened to the old guy? <laughs> Done. That's all it was. Wasn't a lot of hope in that moment. But just because we go through something that we don't think is the way that God is going to raise up hope within us, it doesn't mean God isn't working. So you look at the Israelites, okay, so we're going to be in exile. And this was hard for them to appreciate and understand, even though Jeremiah had been preparing them, that this was going to happen. See, sometimes God prepares us that stuff's going to happen. It doesn't mean it's easy. And it doesn't mean it's going to be okay. It will be. But in that moment, it doesn't feel like it is. It's like the Israelites. They knew what was coming. doesn't mean they still had to like it. Here's what they had to do. What happened under God's control, and it was not about to end soon. So, with this prophetic perspective, Jeremiah tells the exiles to settle down in Babylon to stay. And that will last several generations, like five or six generations. So the language of that verse works in these two ways. They needed to change their perspective from exile to resident. Oh, I can't wait to get out of the Antelope Valley. Get me out. I know there's a mass exodus out of California. It's happening, okay? But guess what? Where we are is where God wants to use you. It doesn't matter where you are. Whether you move or you stay put, it doesn't matter. God wants to use you wherever you go because you're his. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God. So wherever you go is an opportunity to be a light. Wherever you go. So geography has nothing to do with it. It's this. It's how you take it and how you receive it. You have to accept that this is where God has placed you. So will you flourish by trusting in him? Or are you going to rip on him the whole time for bringing you into such a place where I just hate it here? And come on, we live in a place where people say, oh, why would you move to the AV from Canada? Uh, my fiance is beautiful. It's a good reason. That works for me. That's worth a move. We were actually going to move to Canada. 
Deb was actually going to, she was already getting schooling in place, and she was going to actually move up to Canada until she came up during winter. <laughs> Hope looked a little differently then. <laughs> But in that moment, we prayed and we asked God, okay, what do you have for us? And it was like God flipped this switch and he said, no. I've got something else in mind for you. And she rejoiced. And I was like, I'm down. I've been in a town of 1,100 people my whole life. Take me away. Here am I. Send me. Quickly. <laughs> so we did. We ended up here. See, Babylon wasn't permanent, but it was for those seasons. And here's the thing that you have to remember, too, is that he said, plant, eat, marry, have children, increase in number. See, God wasn't destroying his people. He was growing them. So even in the season when you feel like you're in the desert where hope seems out of reach, there is a growth that's happening. Something that is happening within your heart and in your soul that God is stirring up within you. So don't, don't get down on where you're at. And some days it's easy when you walk out and you're like, oh, a breeze. And you walk out, hair dryer, back inside. Not what I was hoping for. See, we know that many of God's people followed his instructions to settle down adapt to where God had placed them, but they always remained faithful. God is calling his people to remain faithful and to get their hopes up. Because if we, if we bring out this, this idea, this persona, this image of hopelessness, why would the world want what we, what we have? If we're the most loudest on ripping on our government and ripping on this and ripping on this and ripping on this, why would anybody want what I have? Sorry. Not sorry. God wants us to be a light of where we are. These guys were in exile. Everything got pulled from them. We're like, oh, okay, this is great. But it remained faithful. Romans 5.5 says this. It says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Look at the first part. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. When our hope and faith is placed in Jesus Christ, it will never, ever disappoint. Ever. Ever. The only thing that can disappoint us is when we let our flesh get in the way. And we get in God's way of what he wants to do. Been there, done that, got a few t-shirts. I've burned them since then. Hebrews 10.23 says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. So when God says he's going to do something... Whether you like it or not, it's happening. So you have an opportunity to get on board with what God is doing. Because remember, our, our hope and desire is to make disciple-making disciple-makers. Right? 
So we want to be injected. We want to inject hope and faith and love and all these things into everybody around us. And sometimes, do you even have to say a word? No, because a lot of times your actions will say volumes about who you represent. But when the opportunity comes to share a word, we need to be speaking life. We need to be speaking truth, not opinions. So get your hopes up for the hard times. The second thing, get your hopes up for what's next. Because for God, there's always a next. There's always something that you are planning and you are hoping for. And God says, aha, here you are. Okay, now I'm preparing you for whatever phase you're going to be in. And we don't know what that is, but he is calling for us to be faithful. So when we get our hopes up, we are putting a complete faith and trust in him that he knows what he's doing. And he's been doing this a long time. He's really good at it. So just let him. It's so much easier because we mess it up. And who brings us the good things in our hard times? Definitely not us. Oh, sure, we can have some good times and some nice times, but who provides the good times and the next things that's going to happen in our life? See, our human reaction to trying seasons is to make a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> you know? Fall into depression, give up, lash out, get bitter. All these things can happen. Hello, 2020. 21 and maybe part of 22. I don't know. Our loving Father brings good things from trying seasons. Bloom where you were planted. Wherever God plants you, flourish. Bloom. Because He's got great plans for you. I'm sorry. You want, you want me to pray for my neighbor? But they're, but they're bad. Who are you? Because you just judged your neighbor. <laughs> bad, bad theology, man. <laughs> you want me to pray for them? They're terrible. Then pray for them. Nothing's going to break down that wall between you and them other than prayer in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. Let him have his way. I have a neighbor. I do. His name's Fred. Fred's precious. Fred's been around for a while. And Fred is bitter about everything. Fred's the type of guy that, let's say if you were on vacation for three weeks, And you get home, and you let your dogs out, and they bark. And then he comes over, and he says, your dogs are being really loud. Bro, we haven't been here for three weeks. I'm just saying, not that this would happen. <laughs> or a tennis ball that my kids are playing accidentally goes over a wall. And he lives by himself. He has nothing. 
So he comes over with these tennis balls. He goes, are these yours? Unless you're taking up tennis, probably. And sometimes it's really, really hard <laughs> to show the love of Jesus. You know what I mean? But man, every time you just be, you just, just talk and share and just be a decent human being. Yesterday, or the, the, uh, two days ago, I was parking my car, and he came around his garage, and he goes, where have you guys been? I'm like, oh, well, we were up in Idaho. We went to see my sister. We went to visit the family up there. It was really, really nice. Well, cool. We missed you guys. Glad you're home safely. And back into his garage. I'm like, who are you? And what have you done with Fred? <laughs> There's an alien invasion that has happened, and they've cloned Fred. Why? I don't know. Just be nice. That doesn't mean oh, you should come over for Christmas. I can't handle them that long. But I will bring him something at Christmas. Because we're just called to love our neighbors. Sometimes you love them so much it drives them crazy. Which is my goal. Challenge accepted. The nice thing is that where can we take, what can we take from God's instructions to pray for their captives, captors? God can hear and answer your prayer anywhere on earth. God is not bound by time or geography. God will hear our prayers for those who have not yet followed him. And God will bless our land as sinful as imperfect as it is if we pray for it. If we spent more time praying for our government than bashing on it, we may see a shift. Challenge number one. Let's spend more time praying than ripping. What do you think? Seems reasonable. Don't get me wrong. Canada's jacked up too. We have a precious dude in office as well. Just saying. The Lord needs to move everywhere. Even in the middle of a great trial, God can and does use his people to make a huge impact in the world. Even praying for the ones that seem to be the most wicked or hurtful people, change will happen. If we want to see people get their hopes up, we have to bring the hope to them. And sometimes this is a place where we come together and we get charged up and we get spiritually kind of recharged and we come together as a family and as a as a community and our goal is to come here and get equipped for the work of the ministry and guess when the work happens on monday and god forbid thursday because y'all felt thursdays oh it's thursday again hump day is okay because you can come here and gather at on wednesday nights for our chats for our hangout time on, on Wednesday nights, which is awesome. That's been so cool to come together, and we just sit out on the basketball court, the play, kids play on the playground, and we just have these life-giving conversations, answer, answer questions, and just chat. It's fantastic, because everything bends around relationships. Right, Bryce? 
Bryce said that, I don't know how many years ago that was, but, and it's so true. Everything bends around relationships. So if you ever feel like you're on an island, get in the community. Let people know how we can reach out, how we can help, how we can build each other's hope up. It's important. Psalm 33, 18 to 22 says this. It says, but the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield, and in him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Keep your hopes up for what's next. Whatever he has next is good. It's like what Marcus says, the plans that the Lord has for us are good. They're not to hurt us, they're to give us a hope and a future. If God's hope, if God's plans was to like see us get hurt and destroy us, we're on the wrong team. But that's not who he is. It's not who he is. And we made allusion to this during worship, Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So whatever God is starting, whatever God is stirring up within you today, good news, if you're breathing, he's not done. Newsflash, spoiler alert. If you're here and you're alive, then he still has a purpose. And the saints that have gone before us, they have a purpose. And they heard, well, and do, well done, good and faithful servant, just before us. But that day will be coming. But until it does, we got work to do. Right? Remember, you're all part of the team. You're hired. Congratulations. The last thing. So get your hopes up. When it's hard, get your hopes up for what's next. And get your hopes up for God's gift. Because as we get our hopes up, God never leaves us stranded. He doesn't say, oh, sorry, this is it, end of the line. No, what did he say? Back to 10 and 11, it says, and when the Lord says, and this is what the Lord says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, and then I will come and do for you all the things I have promised. And I will bring you home again, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I got to go to them for a second and go with their mindset of the children of Israel is. That verse, 2911, it's my favorite verse, and it's one that's used a lot. Like, happy graduation, if I know the plans I have for you. Happy retirement, for I know the plans I have for you. It's used a lot on different, many different circumstances. Not many people throw in verse 10 to encourage them. Oh, before you get to the good plans, you got to hang out here 70 years. So imagine if they're hearing this prophecy, this word, and they're like, oh, man, that sounds awesome. When 70 years completed in Babylon. We, I'm sorry, what? Can, can you rewind that just a little? 
I, I could have swore you said after 70 years. <laughs> that was seven, right? I'm glad he didn't say no 70 times seven. It was like, oh, Lord, we're all going to die. <laughs> For 70 years you are going to remain here. Then I am going to fulfill my promise. <sighs> okay. I need to get my hopes up because this is not going to be an easy road. 70 years. I'm 50. I can't imagine that the good news is God's going to bring you through. He's going to do all these things. 70 years and you may not live to see it. But your kids will. And maybe your grandkids will. You may not, but your faithfulness will be an example to those coming after you. And as God raises them up, they will live in the victory because you've already gone on to your reward. So now their families are being raised up and coming up to everything that God has promised. So if that means that my kids and my grandkids and my grandkids' kids, they're going to benefit what God has, then I'm going to work my tail off today to make sure I am faithful in doing what God wants me to do so that my generations coming will be able to flourish as well. So everything that we're planning for is not just for today. There may be seeds planted that you may plant in somebody's life in your job, on the street, a dude on a bridge. You may never see the fruit of it, but God is faithful and God knows what he's doing. So we cannot belittle these moments. Every little moment that we have, we have an opportunity to be effective and inject hope into people's lives. Woo! I love it. 70 years. God's gift to you is the fact that he plans for you even in the land of the enemy. His plans work for you even in the land of the enemy. Even if you're in captivity. And even in unknown and uncertain circumstances, God is still God. He doesn't change. He doesn't waver. God's gifts are always in place. Are we in a place where we can receive them? Because God's, God's gifts are always in place. Are we positioning ourselves in a place where we can receive those? We can receive that hope, that faith, that peace that passes all understanding. Are we in a place where we can receive those things and flourish because of it? If we spend more time wallowing in our demise, then it's no wonder we, we don't feel hopeful. It's the world we live in. People go to so many different things. Our generation and our world is so confused about what truth is that we need to know what truth is so we can, we can, I'll use the word infect, that we can go in, because just like a virus spreads, the fire of the Holy Spirit can spread faster. And, and the results are all so much better than COVID. 
My God's bigger than that. Right? Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice so we could have hope. Why? Because Romans 8.28 says this, So we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, a lot of times we like to use part A of that verse. Like there's not a part B. You ever had somebody, like you're going through something, and they're like, oh, well, all things work together for good. Do they? What's part B say? For those who are called according to his purpose. See, somebody who doesn't know Jesus may not have an idea that all things work together for good. And if their foundation isn't on Scripture and on the Holy Spirit, if you say, oh, well, all things work together for good, uh, get away from me. Right? <laughs> but if we have an opportunity to give them a reason to know that all things can work together for good. Because when you are called, and according, called according to his purpose, life is so much better. I didn't say easier, but it's better. The fact that people know that the creator of the universe is in your corner. It's pretty sweet, right? Have you seen the universe lately? It's amazing. I look at a Joshua tree and it blows my mind. How'd you grow like that? You're weird, but I like you. Serious, when I moved here, I was just like, those are the coolest things ever. And then you, I'm like, oh, they're everywhere. <laughs> like, okay, can I cut one down? No, you'll get arrested. Okay. My neighbor has one in his front yard, so they built their house around the Joshua tree. I wonder if we did the same thing with God as our foundation. Hmm. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says this, But now, O Jacob, listen to the word. Listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So God's gift is what I say I'm going to do, I am going to do. Even the things when God says, don't do this, or this is what's going to happen. Or if you do this, this is what, God doesn't give a lot of, oh, just wait and find out. He lays it out pretty clear for us, doesn't he? So, if we want to try and keep our hopes up, where do we go from here? And as we, try, as we start to kind of conclude and wrap up this morning, nobody looks forward to a trying season. I don't, do you? I don't look forward to them. Some of them feel overwhelming, and sometimes we might have a hard time realizing that God 
allows us to go through trying seasons for his good purposes. Why did I bust my knee? <laughs> I'm still struggling with, okay. I know it was for good. I haven't fully seen what that whole picture looks like, but I will. And God will reveal it. But right now, I just hope in him. My trust and hope is in him. Can I get frustrated about this? Oh, there was days I was. Where it's like, I can't bend my knee. I can't do this and that. I can't do you Couldn't drive my car for crying out loud. And I tried to fit. It didn't work. <laughs> I'm over on the passenger seat trying to get my leg in. And it's a, if you had a video camera, it would have been on YouTube, probably viral. <laughs> like, look at this guy. See, for the Israelites, it was for the is because of their decades of sinful disobedience and turning their back on him. God's like, okay, this is going to be a thing. I'm going to bring you out of it, but it's going to be a thing. God allows us to experience trying times, but he also allows us to bloom where we're planted. So don't trudge through the trial. <laughs> and I, like, I like the way this, this guy put it. Don't trudge through the trial like a defeated and spoiled child. What's up, 2020? Take the challenge. Be the person God has made you to be right now at this time in your life in the rough or even tragic, tragic seasons. God has a plan for you, and his gift for you today is hope. How do I get my hopes up? I trust in him. I keep my faith strong in him. I surround myself with people that are like-minded, that are going to lift me up and encourage me, not rip me apart and tear me down. What's the point? If you feel like you're on, outside of God's plan for you, get your hopes up. If you think the season will never end, get your hopes up. If you're walking through the valley of the shadow, Get your hopes up. If everything's going well and you have no complaints, keep your hopes up and reach out to those who need to get their hopes up. Little thing we like to call discipleship. If you know the way of truth, point others to that way of truth. Let them in. His plan is not to harm you. He loves you. Each and every one of us. Things are going to get better. We latch on to the hope God gives to you by believing that he does have a plan for you. Anybody ever struggled with God's plan for your life? Anyone? Okay, just checking. Uh-huh. And it's okay. It's okay to struggle with it and to be... Uh, what is this? Just don't stay in the uncertainty. Don't stay in the, mm, I don't know. Because the difference between I don't know and I submit and I obey is a world changer. It's a game changer for your life. So as we wrap up this morning, I'm going to have some people that are going to come up. And they're going to be praying. They're going to make themselves available to pray. And here's what I want you to think about this morning as, uh, as they're going to be here to pray. 
Maybe you're needing a renewed hope in your life so that you begin to see the things in a different light. Looking through God's eyes and not our flawed lenses. Maybe you're needing direction and you just really need someone to agree with you that hope would rise up within you. And their faith would be partnered with your faith to see that happen. Or maybe this morning you feel like you have no hope. Or this idea of hope is foreign to you. Or you have never received this hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's where hope can be found. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've never had an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Or maybe you did a long time ago and it's just kind of like, it was a thing, but it's just a thing. And today is the day that you want to get your hopes up, to get that hope stirred up within your life because you know where you are is not where you want to be. If you need prayer for anything this morning, I'm going to ask the people that we talked to this that I talked to earlier, if you make your way up to the front here, and they're going to make themselves available to you. Yes, Liz, we want you to come. And it was as I close this morning, I want to pray. Are my prayer blessings up there? Do you have those? Sweet, because they disappeared off my sheet. <laughs> so I'm going to look at the TV. So I know we, we leave off with a prayer, and what I'm going to do today is that I'm going to pray two verses over you this morning. Because when you can't find the words, God's word says it all. So this morning... I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand that confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are in his rich and glorious inheritance. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that even in the midst of everything that goes on in our lives, that we have hope, that we can hold on to you, that you are in control, and you got this. Help us to let go of what our inhibitions are and what our reservations are, that we would completely, completely latch on to you and what you have for us. We love you so much, Jesus, and we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.